We're talking the hottest team in college football recruiting. Yes, your Texas Longhorns here on Locked On Longhorns. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated. If you listen to Locked On Longhorns, if you watch Locked On Longhorns, you know who this is. John, you're out there at the Elite 11 in California. A lot has been made about Arch's decision not to participate in that. As somebody who covers college football, does that mean anything to you? Look, I'd be lying, Jonathan, if I said I didn't want to see Arch out here competing with, with the top guys. Um, so, so yeah, I think to a degree, it certainly affects, you know, this week where it's, it's all about the quarterbacks. It's all about the best of the best high level competition, college coaches out here or college counselors out here, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, et cetera. You would love to see Arch mingling and in that conversation, but look, you know, the family, not just with camps, with really all elements of his recruiting process have done it their own way. Um, I, I think there's been more than one path to, to being a, a potential number one recruit or, or the number one draft pick one day. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd love to see him, but I understand uh, the desire to try to limit him because it's been crazy, right? It's been a fever pitch. Somebody out there actually on the media side was like, I'm kind of thankful Arch wasn't here because it would have been a you-know-what show. It would have been a whole – kind of circus uh if he was out here and and yeah it would have been there would have been more news channels out here every single person you know with with access to a camera would have tried uh, to to snag something on on arch manning if he was out here so to that level i do understand why the the desire to limit him is is what they're still trying to push for in, in the manning household uh but yeah i mean for our jobs we certainly would have liked to see him out here competing but you know we we got three years of high school tape uh, to go through with him. And, and obviously all these kids are entering their senior year of high school. So we'll get plenty of evaluation points and, and that won't be a singular reason for his ranking or evaluation to be hurt. You know, you can't, you can't really use that as a, a strong data point. It could be a footnote, but it can't be the data point that you, you, you know, hang your hat on in, in a quarterback recruiting discussion. So Texas and Sark ends a dynamic week by bringing in Jonte Cook, one of their top targets could be Arch's top target in the future. When we talked about John T. Cook in the past on this podcast, the one word that you mentioned was explosive, right? And explosive is 38 catches and 18 touchdowns. That's, you know, almost a touchdown every other catch. That tells me that he is a game changer. He commits to the University of Texas. What is Texas getting in John T. Cook? And how big is this for the state that he stayed in the state? at texas how big is this for texas that he stayed in texas i should say it it was big i mean even with with the whole arch situation and look this was the first guy everyone thought of right when when arch committed you're like okay does that mean john is going to speed things up and, and then jump in the boat and certainly that's that's how it went and played out and i think anything with john cook going as planned is a surprise right this kid has put out top groups and then visited other schools and then he limited it to three and then people were still thinking hey a&m's still in this mix even though they're not in the final three so for him to follow through with something and and create some finality around his name i do think not only says you know where texas has been 
the entire time as number one, you know, almost at worst at times, but also uh, the conviction he has uh, to be a Longhorn and join Arch Manning down at UT. So I think that alone says a lot uh, about winning this recruitment because it, it could have went a million different ways and it wouldn't have surprised a lot of people. So that's a, a strong indication on Steve Sarkeesian and, and that coaching staff. But in terms of the player, my goodness, this is one of the most explosive and polished wide receivers in the entire country. You mentioned the production, just gaudy uh, chunk plays and touchdowns littered throughout his tape. He's a great route runner. Uh, he can blow the top off of a defense. You could throw it to him short and he can take it long there after the catch. Uh, there's some alpha in, in him as well. You know, he is a competitive kid who who really uh, always wants to be out there competing. You know, I, I've seen him hurt at seven on seven, still out there trying to run routes. Uh, so, you know, I do think that comes with a lot of personality. And I think Jonte would admit to you that, that he does have uh, plenty of personality. He fits some classic uh, wide receiver personality uh, types, but often if you can back it up, that stuff doesn't matter at the end of the day. If you can play, that stuff uh, really doesn't matter. And I think he certainly offers a counter to his good friend, Arch Manning, uh, who he's now going to play with at the next level. So I think that's the most tangible Arch effect that we've seen in, in any singular recruit. It's not only Jonte jumping on board, but the timing of, of him doing so just a, what a week or so after Arch made his public commitment. That was the, the most surprising part of it. I didn't think he would accelerate it this much. And again, it tells you what, what Arch means and it tells you what Texas is building, particularly on offense. I think this offensive class could be the best in the country right now. Uh, and it certainly could finish that way before uh, we get to December and eventually February. And like Arch, you talked about the Arch impact and, you know, now it's the Jonte impact because Jonte's, you know, been recruiting as well. And we talked about how the offense, they should be able to do that, you know, recruiting under Sark and then now with Arch and, you know, you should be able to bring in running backs and receivers. We talked about the offensive line, but the defense as well, we've seen some players on that side. And one player, this is some big J journalism right here for you, John. I got some big J journalism right last week. So John <laughs> take commits, and he's on live with Trey Wiseman or somebody else. I can't forget who they was on live with. And I see Sadir Mitchell. He comments on the live. He's on the live. He says, not going to lie. Let's do it. So I, I text a couple of my boys. I'm like, don't be surprised if Texas steals Sadir Mitchell from Georgia. Because every crystal ball at that point for Sadir Mitchell, this is just on Wednesday, was for Georgia. All of a sudden, over the next two days, five of them flipped to Texas. He's announcing on Sunday. There's a lot of momentum going towards Texas now. Big man on the defensive line. What is he, 6'5", about 335 pounds? Yep, yep. If he were to choose Texas, what are they getting in this big man on the D-line out of New Jersey? Yeah, before even getting into that, how about going into New Jersey, like you just said? I mean, that you talk about unprecedented. You know, Texas is, is usually obviously great in the state, and they can go national. They dip into the West Coast very consistently, and we've seen them – make inroads in the South, especially under Sarkeesian and, and this current coaching staff. But I don't think a lot of people were talking about Texas in the Northeast uh, for, for quite a while. So I do think that could be something really fascinating to look into going forward for the Longhorns, especially as they, you know, one day get into the SEC in the middle of trying to remember where all these colleges are uh, relative to their conference. But Mitchell's a beast. You know, there's no other way to put it. Big interior defensive lineman, more athletic than you would think at 335 pounds. And there's some polish there, too. You know, Bergen Catholic is, is one of the premier programs 
in the state of New Jersey. So to have a, a long tenure varsity experience there uh, means you can do a little bit of everything and you're probably well coached along the way. So I do think uh, that this is a guy whose floor is a little bit higher than your, your leaner, twitchier edge rushers that maybe Texas is coveting throughout this class. Uh, and like you said, Jonathan, this is the side of the ball we need to see it at. We know offense is good, right? Uh, you're going to get another great running back, whoever it is. You hope it's Cedric Baxter. Uh, the receiver core is already looking like the most explosive receiver core in the country. You've got the top quarterback. The O-line's got, what, four commitments. We knew that was coming. What about this side of the ball? This is where Texas has to take that next step. We saw signs of it last year in that 2022 cycle, flipping an Alabama commitment on defense and moving forward with some others. But you got to keep on on that side of the ball, uh, you know, making really big inroads. And, and I think going outside the region like this uh, is a very strong step, especially with a player, again, with as high a floor as Mitchell has. Longhorn Nation, I think we're going to be very happy on Sunday when Sadir Mitchell hopefully <laughs> announces his commitment. We most of us think he will on Sunday to the Texas Longhorns. Coming up next, we'll talk about the top linebacker in the country. Anthony Hill is down to Texas, and Texas A&M John Garcia is going to make the case for both schools on why Anthony Hill should go to each one. But first, a word from our sponsors at Bet Online, which is the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find out all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. This episode is also brought to you by LinkedIn. John Garcia, Anthony Hill, announces his top two, a dynamic linebacker, top linebacker in the country. This is somebody, Texas has made it to the top two. They need to close, but... He's kind of, you know, a lot of people thought he's been an A&M lean the whole time. A&M is still in his top two. So Texas is still going to have to fend off little brother, <laughs> as we say, <laughs> to get the commitment from Anthony Hill. And we're going to be nice to little brother on today's podcast. So I want you to make the case for Texas A&M for Anthony Hill. And I want you to make the case for Texas for Anthony Hill. Longhorn Nation, don't go anywhere. We're going to do Texas A&M first. Don't turn, <laughs> you know, don't turn me off. Don't, don't get mad. Don't turn me off. He's going to make the case for Texas A&M first. And then he's going to make the case for the Longhorns. But the top linebacker in the country, Anthony Hill, he's staying home. What's the case for Texas A&M first? Well, I'm very curious about Anthony's timeline, by the way. I think that will be quite revealing. Sooner the better if you want to capitalize on this momentum, quite obviously. But look, uh, this is, like you said, arguably the top linebacker in the country. He's going to stay in the state of Texas, just a matter of uh, which colors he's going to rock in that process. And I think the A&M angle is quite simple. All the things we just said about Texas on offense applies to Texas A&M on defense. We know you've been there. You've done it. You're in the SEC. You upset Alabama last year. Everybody's curious to see how this next wave what will pick up some of that momentum in 2022 and beyond. And you sell it if you're Jimbo Fisher and, and that coaching staff, DJ Durkin, the new defensive coordinator, who's quite aggressive uh, in his play calling. You say, hey, come be the captain of this defense, the most aggressive, badass defense in the SEC uh, and come command this thing and allow us to continue to do what we've done on this side of the ball and carry this program while the offense makes up their ground and we become one of the premier contenders in the SEC. Uh, and you could beat Texas your junior year when they get into the SEC before you head to the NFL because we've turned XYZ into those players already. I think that's kind of the clear and cut, uh, simple pitch in terms of staying home and, at College Station. And I think if you're Texas, it, it's the total opposite. Hey, 
Look at what we're doing on offense. Look at the buzz we have. Look at the attention that is on this program. Even before you get to the SEC, where your goal beat Texas A&M every year, et cetera, why not start something at this position? You know, th- this Mike linebacker spot has had its moments over the last few years, but not the consistency we need at Texas uh, to build this thing into what we want to be, you know, a national title contender. Uh, And and the need is there. Not only will you develop into the captain of the defense, but you might be able to start that process year one as a true freshman playing in the biggest games in the country with with the most spotlight and anticipation and eyeballs around you during that process. Um, I think you, you sell Hill on being the trend starter as opposed to the guy who's maintaining something that that has already been established. And you talk to recruits, they like both sides of this thing, JD, that they like being the first uh, and they certainly like continuing on a tradition of, of success at a certain position. So you could understand the push and pull between these programs. Like you said, A&M has been the long-term favorite, but it's hard to ignore the buzz that Texas has in recruiting just in general in the recruiting world. So you wonder how much that carries over into a prospect, even if he was thinking, you know, more about uh, the SEC West and the big 12 on the front end. Yeah. You know, so we gave Texas A&M a little run time on the podcast today on locked on Longhorns. John made a beautiful pitch for Texas A&M, but he forgot to throw in the NIL in there. No, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't going to say NIL. You can. <laughs> just, just playing Aggie land. You know, there's a video on Twitter saying there's a lot of people in those suites that are, you know, give you a lot of money if you come to play here. So uh, I don't know. You know, hopefully he ends up at Texas. Malik Muhammad, another player that Texas A&M and Texas are fighting for, one of the top cornerbacks in the country. Really good friend of Jontae Cook, current Texas commit cousin of Billy Walton, current Texas commit. A lot of people believe that he's leaning towards Texas as well, but still, and I mean, Alabama and A&M are in his top three. If Texas were to land Malik Muhammad, what would they be getting in the defensive backfield? Oh, just a well-rounded cornerback type. Well, you might be able to move around down the line. You talk about something that's needed in college football. You need DBs who can do more than one thing. And, And Muhammad has a lot of that in his bag. I've seen him multiple times in person. You're, you're taken back by his, his build. He's a bigger defensive back, legitimately six foot six, one well filled out. It looks like he's got that college ready frame, but then you watch him play and there's just a lot of finesse in his game too. You know, he's got great range and ball skills. He runs incredibly well. There's a confidence and competitiveness uh, about him on the outside that you want in your potential, you know, cornerback one down the line. Uh, so there's a lot of alpha to him uh, that I think is easy to see. And that's why he's become so coveted. And I think this is a totally different battle compared to the Anthony Hill one, because I do think Bama's the primary contender. So it's one thing to, to beat out A&M, which Texas is probably, you know, favored to do in this scenario. But then you got to beat out Alabama on top of it. We, we've seen them do it. I mentioned last year they flipped – Alabama secondary prospect when they brought over uh, the, the DB's coach uh, to Texas. But, man, uh, this is a, a totally different battle. It, it's a little more wide open to me. There's certainly more connections to Texas. But when Alabama prioritizes a cornerback, it's, it's pretty tough uh, to beat. So I do think that there's kind of a classic battle brewing of, do I stay home where I'm more familiar? I got more of my guys on this roster and I can help build towards something as well. Or do I go kind of do what I just said with AM and Anthony Hill? Do I go jump into that legacy and lineage of, of bigger, longer defensive backs that have had so much success in college and the NFL? Um, so I do think that's a classic push-pull, your head versus your heart, all of those cliches 
we talk about in recruiting. I think those exist for for Malik uh, Muhammad at this point. Uh, I do think AM is probably third in that race. So I'd be surprised if he ended up there. But again, uh, all these signs are, are progress for Texas. But like you said earlier, you do have to close because that's what matters most at the end of the day. Yeah, we already beat uh, Alabama once for Arch Manning, you know, so hopefully we can beat him for Malik Muhammad. And then on September 10th, that may be a different story. Caleb Downs, the number one safety in the country, has talked about taking one last official visit. He hasn't announced yet if that'll be to Texas or Texas A&M, but those are the two schools that he mentioned. So what type of player is he and how would you see him fitting in next to another five-star safety that Texas already has landed in Derrick Williams? Oh, he would compliment Derek so well. Caleb Downs is is one of the more complete secondary prospects we've scouted in this class of 23, really at any position, corner, safety, nickel. And I think he can move into some of those hybrid roles as well. He's got a great feel for the game in coverage where he could be your deep guy with Williams being bigger, more destined for, for the box comparatively. Uh, or you could line him up uh, in the boundary or over a slot receiver. I think Downs is that dynamic. Uh, he is that uh, fluid in his hips. Uh, and he's a little bit more smaller and compact. So he's built to redirect a little bit better than most safety. So he's got a true all-around game uh, that fits the, the modern play style on top of it. Uh, and that's why his recruitment's been so hectic, right? Georgia, Alabama, Notre Dame. His big bro is, is wide receiver one at North Carolina. They're in the mix as well. So whether it's Texas or A&M getting this final visit, I do think it's an uphill battle, uh, but you got to start somewhere, right? And obviously momentum is one thing. Uh, and then you get them on campus and, and you see, you know, where the chips fall thereafter. So probably an uphill battle either way. Most people peg this as, you know, uh, Nick Saban versus his former assistant, Kirby Smart, uh, especially because he's a Georgia kid. Uh, but, you know, this is, you know, a long tenured recruit who's been a recruit for several years in terms of being a high level, highly coveted prospect. So there is there is a little bit of confidence in, in Notre Dame to stay in this race. Carolina's going to stay confident because of, of the family connection there in the ACC. Uh, so maybe there's enough room because there's not one tangible leader for someone else to, to at least join the conversation before this recruitment is put to bed. So you certainly understand why Texas and A&M would shoot their shot here. Deuce Robinson, um, arguably the top tight end in the nation. Um, he Texas has offered him, I should say. They've already taken two tight ends in Will Randall and Spencer Shannon. Uh, but Deuce Robinson, a uh, really um, dynamic playmaker at the tight end position. He is thought to be leaning towards uh, one of the Big Ten's newest schools in USC. But <laughs> Texas has offered him, and he hasn't committed yet or signed, so they still have a chance. What type of player is he? And obviously he's a player you would have to take. So then how would Spencer Shannon and Will Randall fit into that if they were able to land Deuce Robinson? Yeah, Deuce is special. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. He was out here catching passes at the Elite 11, and he's one that even if you didn't know who it is, who he was, you went to find out. You know, he was that kind of big physical specimen on the outside, uh, seems to have a great attitude along the way. I think he took the most reps of all the receivers uh, and he's a big, you know, hybrid tight end type. So uh, the ball skills, the athleticism, the, the ability to get in and out of his breaks at, you know, six, five, six, six is, is really special. It's just not something we get to see on the trail a lot. I, I told a colleague of mine at SI watching him, I said, man, he's kind of like a Rick Gilbert, like in, in just the way that he's, running routes like a wide receiver, although clearly he is too darn big to be put in that category. So I, there's a lot of special upside 
with Deuce Robinson, who plays like a thousand sports in high school, by the way. So he's not even scratching the surface of his potential from a polish and technique standpoint. So that's why everybody wants him. And, and yeah, I think USC has some buzz. You know, Caleb Williams was out here throwing uh, the, the first day of the Elite 11, and he was talking a little bit like, yeah, we're going to see this in a couple years uh, in L.A., uh, and, and Deuce was certainly re- reciprocating that energy. He was rocking some USC gloves. But, you know, as 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 me and, and colleagues here have talked to him, there's a sense that, one, this race is far from over, and, two, that Texas is kind of a sneaky contender in this thing. He's got family in the state. Uh, he is friends with Arch Manning, which, I mean, it seems like that's all you need to, to have a, a qualifier into potentially being a Texas commitment at this point that they, they met on a, a visit to another school actually, and, and have spent time uh, connecting since that point. So we don't know a lot about Arch Manning, the recruiter, but we are starting to figure out that, you know, he's, he's spreading his wings a little bit and getting in with, with some of these top uncommitted recruits. It's, it's not just him picking Texas. There's some work he's putting in here uh, in the process. And if you win a recruitment like Deuce Robinson, that, that even the coaches at the Elite 11 were, were thinking, this is a USC kid. If you win that and you, you upset that recruitment, I do think that, again, it's another indicator of, of where this thing could be heading from, from a class ranking standpoint and from a reach standpoint to go into Arizona and pull uh, a, a long-term target of, of, of Lincoln Riley's uh, on offense, no less. So I think that would be quite fascinating and, uh, again, uh, kind of par for the course, dating back to those uh, Oklahoma days there. Uh, so Sark versus Riley is something that's not dead, even though um, they all keep changing schools. And now both of them will change conferences in the next couple of years, too. And speaking of USC and, and what you just talked about, we'll get you out of here on this. How big is this and what does this mean for college football moving forward that USC and UCLA, the city of Los Angeles, basically, is moving to the Big Ten? <laughs> Well, beyond the shock that that all of us had um, yesterday, man, it just it's just the the latest indication of change. I think it started with you guys, right? It started with Texas and Oklahoma's move to the SEC, put everyone on notice. Hey, let's create an alliance to to combat the SEC because they're go- they're getting too big and powerful. Well, now all of a sudden the Big Ten has pulled back. I'm like, hey, you guys can have the alliance because if we can go get USC and UCLA get that LA market, we are going to do so. So now uh, the, the movement towards super conferences is, is really officially underway. And it's becoming a rat race with the Pac-12, uh, the Big 12, uh, and the ACC to where you're like, okay, where are you going to start to fall on this thing? We, we thought at one point it was going to be like three, four, or four super conferences, but now the indications are, are at two and counting, right? So the Big 10 and the SEC aren't going anywhere. So it's just a matter of who's going to start to fall in line between those two conferences. And just in the last 24 hours, we've seen reports of uh, Notre Dame, of Oregon, of Washington, uh, of Arizona, Arizona State looking to get into the Big 12. There's a whole lot of questions uh, being asked right now uh, from every direction. These conferences looking to pull in schools and these schools looking to cover their backs uh, by looking into some of these other conferences. So changes afoot in college football. It's, it's one of those things that you just got to adapt with or, or die, right? Like the saying goes, you, you got to adapt and try to jump into one of these boats because uh, the ship will be sailing here pretty soon with the, with the super conference conversation. So uh, luckily for, for your audience, Texas is, is quite comfortable in all of that conversation uh, with the resources they have uh, while they move into the SEC. But yeah, the change is coming really, uh, really quickly and surprisingly, but it's something that we should start to expect more of 
going forward, in my opinion. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Sports Illustrated, Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, I got to say that, <laughs> at Sports Illustrated on Locked On Longhorns once again. Thank you all for tuning in, Longhorn Nation. As always, enjoy your weekend. Peace.